This is Packer and Durham on ACCN and Sirius XM Channel 371. Chaos. <laughs> Pictures of you wearing orange sweatsuits. We got towels with Swedish written on them from Kim Llewellyn for you to take to Love Switzerland. It. Be great. I have so this gonna be so much fun when I cross the border with my Wake Forest Swiss material. I am gonna have a blast coming up with something creative mm. on that trip. Um we got NFL draft tomorrow. We got draft special tonight. Yeah. Uh Kenny Pickett, the HOA membership. I told you I am rooting openly. Okay, we come on for this Kenny show Kenny Pickett with the Panthers with the sixth pick tomorrow night. If if we come on this show Friday morning and Kenny Pickett has been selected oh, you're with the sixth pick by the Carolina Panthers. You're in trouble. You're going to see your local Century 21 agent at work. Neighbor. <laughs> My neighbor, Kenny Pickett. I am openly rooting for that to happen. I know you are. I mean, openly rooting I know. for that. Normally, I watch the draft with my feet up like, yeah, whatever. Just, you know, show me something fun. But I'm openly rooting for yeah, Kenny Pickett are. to be a Carolina Panther. Yeah. So, we'll see. Kind and of they're what. paying Sant and Darnold $19 million to stink, man. Let's bring in Pickett. Let's go. Let's go. I'm telling you. Am I right? Yeah. Pretty much. You're afraid of uh, Kenny Pickett and the Panthers, aren't you? It no. Makes you a little nervous. I, 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 you know what I think, though? I think makes you a little nervous in Atlanta? Um. Yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. good. I mean, yeah. he's going to have a really productive career. I think I heard a comp last night, and I know we got John Swafford and some other stuff to get to here. I heard a comp last night. It was actually on the NFL Nation draft special on ESPN2 uh, where uh, Mel Kuyper used the comp of Chad Pennington with Kenny Pickett. And that's the first time that I thought, well, you know what, that's exactly – and Chad Pennington is a really good pro quarterback, as you know. Um I think Kenny's going to play a long time. I really do. I, I just think the moxie, the way he's wired, his ability to get the ball vertical, things like that. Plus, he's really smart. I think he's benefited so much. We've talked about this from stay in the year. If if I were a Panthers fan, obviously I'm not. Um, obviously, you're not as the voice of the Falcons. I would say, I would say that would be a really good pick, but. You're not, and here's the other thing I'm always reminded about tomorrow night. You're not in those spots without a reason. You need you need a quarterback in Charlotte. There's no question. You need other things in Charlotte. I mean, like Atlanta's being mocked for a wide receiver. Every time you open up a mock draft, it's got a wide receiver in there. I'm just not that guy. I'm, I'm not. I'm not there with Atlanta taking a wide receiver. I see the quarterback situation at six, and I think you're going to have your pick at six if you're Scott Fritter or the GM or Mark Packer and a home available down the street here. Male model? Make it easy for Kenny come down to be a part of the show. Male model? Real estate agent? TV host? General manager. General manager. Yeah. Make it all happen. Do it all. International Nate, traveler. You would swap one job for another just like that. Swap out something else and NFL GM. That may happen before you know it. Consultant to the stars. You may that may happen before you know. <clears> it. We celebrate uh, an anniversary today. We do. Yep. Twenty. Not we. Not we. You. The ACC. Yes. Twenty-five years ago today, John Swafford was selected by the presidents of the Atlantic Coast Conference as the next commissioner of the ACC to replace 
the legendary Gene Corrigan. I remember when that was announced. Yep. Uh, and ironically, it's because Gigi, our oldest, had just been born about a month prior. Huh, and I remember, that? man, John Swafford's the commissioner of the conference. How yeah. about that? That's kind of a cool story. Good for him. Yeah. Lo and behold, here we are. Fast forward the clock 25 years later, and we're still going back in time. Yeah. <laughs> here we are. We went right in time, back in time, right there. Um, can I tell you a quick, funny story about sure. it? Sure. So Swafford is named the commissioner. Obviously, is the AD at Carolina. That is met with a little bit of friction. Oh, I can assure you there was a ton of friction. There were a lot of people outside the state of North Carolina went, oh, really? Uh huh. The AD from North Carolina is going to be the uh, commissioner of the conference. Right. There were a lot of people buzzing with Yeah. And uh, I think that Gene Cargan, the fact John had worked for Gene Cargan at Virginia, I think the fact that he had done – a really good job with some things at Carolina, all benefited his candidacy and things like that, right? No doubt. Um, he had also been the athletic. Remember now, too, he was named the commissioner in April of 97. Coach Smith was still coaching. That's right. Or no, he had just retired. Just retired. Or was getting ready getting to retire ready to. in October. Yeah. Getting ready to. So there was all that timing about kind of how that was working at Carolina. And all of a sudden, Dick Bedour, you know, May, June, July, August, September, six months later, there you have it. So, that all being said, um, the summer after he was named the commissioner on April 27th, I happened to be home from Atlanta. And uh, John came over to have dinner with my mom and dad. And I was visiting friends in the area and doing stuff. And next thing I know, he walks into the kitchen at my parents' first house. Well, it's the second house in Chapel Hill. <laughs> he walks in. And uh, I said, Commissioner, congratulations. He said, yeah, it still kind of sounds... Funny. I said, well, get used to it. And my mom said, yeah, get used to John being nice to everybody. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> mom, he's a commissioner. got to come on. He's going to be everything. You got to wear all hats, man. It's like us. Love all, serve all, yeah, right? That's exactly right. No favoritism. We don't have any partisanship on this program. We're trying to tell everybody's story. You want everybody to win. Right. Exactly, exactly right. right. That's so, how it works. But uh, marvelous careers, everybody knows. So did uh, <clears throat> Commissioner Swafford get the head start on the uh, lemon squares and the uh, bourbon balls from Miss Jean back then, do you think? I, I, probably so. Commissioner, was, commissioner knows has. exactly how good Miss Jean can cook it. Miss Jean could probably answer that question right now. <laughs> she could probably whip up a batch for the former commish as we speak. <laughs> yeah. Have, by the way, has Jim Phillips sampled that yet? No, sir. Has no. not? No. But huh. Dave Clawson, Dave Clawson, touch a class, sent my mom a very kind note. Um, that's what he does. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't surprise yeah. anybody. So we got to get the demand. Appreciate that, Coach. Demand should probably have to sample Miss Jean's lemon squares. I mean, I'm just saying. You're teeing my mom up to cook I'm not again. Teeing up your mom? I love Miss Jean. <laughs> that's how we got to this the last. I mean, time. you're the one who had the stories about the commissioner walking into your kitchen. I mean, don't got to be nice to everybody. Don't bring it like I'm. I'm causing a, a problem here. You know what my dad did when my mom said that? Jane. <laughs> what he did? He's like Jane. Yeah, you know how he is. Mom was joking, but nonetheless, you know, she wanted to know John knew her feelings. <laughs> hey, Miss Jean. Miss Jean, hear me out. <laughs> I know we're busy. I know. I get it. We got a lot going on. We got a lot going on. We got a lot going on. But at some point in time, oh, when, when you feel it, you go, hey, you know what? I'm going to do something really nice. Make the commissioner some lemon squares. <laughs> <Just telling you. laughs> 
he will really appreciate because yeah. they are great. <clears throat> there you go. Yeah, they are good. Makes them for Laura and the kids too. She's proud of you. She's taking note of your uh, wellness walks. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, I'm down fifty by the way. Well, I know five zero. Yeah, doing a I bit. Reach, I reach half a hundred. This You're ready to go to Florida? Lay out by the pool, aren't you? No, 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 no. The days of the orange age male model days; those are long gone, my man. Unless somebody's writing me a check, I'm not doing it. <laughs> so you're telling me when we get to the spring meetings, this guy's not available right here. This no, cat, where is he? Right here. This guy right here is not available. That's it. Not available. Uh, sir, would you please put your <laughs> shirt back on? If you don't put your shirt back on, we will have to take all the pink Himalayan sea salt away from you, the sir. Ladies' choice, ladies and gentlemen. Sir Not really. When we come back, we motor on to Durham. Georgia Drummy, part of the Duke ACC Women's Champ. Tennis ACC Championship, will join us. I hope Georgia's had a chance to see the orange outbreak. Doesn't work in Durham. Sweatshirt. That orange does (laughs) not work in Durham now. That look from uh, 38 years ago. Nope. We will come back, check in on uh, Georgia and the Blue Devils trip to Georgia next. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. A debut coming our way here. Uh, Georgia Drummy of the ACC champion women's tennis, Duke Blue Devils, joins us this morning on the Bureau Cam from Durham. Georgia, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Thank you guys for having me. Absolutely. Congratulations. Does it, uh, has it sunk in? I mean, I know it happened last weekend in Rome and it's Wednesday, but you're still kind of rolling in this? Yeah, no, it doesn't feel real at all. Um, We actually have practice uh, right after this. So (laughs) I think the coaches made us feel like we didn't win it, but we did. But uh, we're back on court getting ready uh, to prayer for NCAAs. Speaking of coach, we had uh, Jamie on the show uh, this week. And uh, with all the success that he has seen, it's kind of strange to think that it had been 10 years since Duke finally closed the deal. But, uh, I mean, you could just sense the euphoric celebration when you won that this was really an incredible – because the league is so good. I mean, this, there's nothing easy about playing tennis, men's or women's in this conference. But, man, the pure celebration. Coach felt like, hey, you know, I've won nine of these personally, but it kind of felt like winning it for the first time again. Yeah, no, definitely. I think um, with a new team pretty much every year, uh, it's a new feeling that when you win together, it's a totally different group of eight girls out on the court. Um, and he definitely, with all the experience he has, he led us um, to take the title. Um, so I think, after all, we were all just unbelievably happy. We couldn't believe it. And uh, I think our expressions right after it happened, like Emma falling to the ground, like everyone was just in pure joy. Georgia, I want to ask you about the, the season itself, because this event in particular, I thought on both the women's and men's sides, we had some upsets, but at the same time, this event, the way it's staged in Rome with both both men and women playing at the same venue, what's that like, the, the camaraderie and the competition at the same time? It's kind of an interesting cross. I think you don't see many places. 
Yeah, no, I feel this is uh, the only tournament that happens in NCAA is when you get to the round of 16 where you're at the same site. Um, it's just nice seeing um, your other teammates, like the men's team. We quickly ran into them. Uh, we were at the same hotel. And then, like, say for our final match, the UVA men's team had just won right before us. So they were out there supporting the Virginia women's um, while we were playing them. So, I mean, it played into another factor of trying to not let um, them get into your heads because you know uh, in college tennis they like to heckle you so you're just trying to not uh, let them get too much into your head but I mean it's good fun just like seeing other teams uh, play. Hey, listen, you're from Ireland. Nobody going to get Nobody in your head. You. You, come, you, come on. on. You know, I know better than that. Plus, <laughs> the American hecklers are nothing compared to the Euros, right? Let's be honest on that. <laughs> yeah, been, yeah. Right? Come on. You've been down that road. By the way, uh, when Coach was on with us, I said, what was the, you know, what was like the turning point where you thought it was just a key match? And he emphasized the doubles. Hmm. Uh, so you tell me, doubles, singles, what do you like better? Um, well, I personally like singles better, but I mean, I really enjoy being out on the doubles court because of my partner, Karolina Barankova. Um, I've known her since I think 12 years of age. Oh, wow. um, but we, yeah, but we hadn't really played doubles together till before college. Um, we played a couple of pro events, um, but I've really gotten to know her off the court and we're really close friends. So just knowing that you have like that trust in the person who you're playing with and she brings a lot of confidence and positivity on the court. So I really just enjoy being out there with her. Um, Mark mentioned you, you grew up in Ireland, obviously, came to the United States. You started collegiately at Vanderbilt, and you transferred to Duke. Take us through a little bit of that journey. Share with folks kind of how that worked for you. And I know COVID played a role in your second season at Vanderbilt, and obviously you made the move to Duke for that. I mean, take me through kind of that journey and that decision at a, at a really interesting time in the athletic landscape for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I joined um, college tennis in January 2019. Um, I played like one and a half seasons at Vanderbilt because obviously COVID. Um, I had an amazing time there, uh, coaches, everything. And then I felt like um, when we left in March uh, of 2020, I felt like uh, it was the right time for me to move. I really wanted to just like keep improving my tennis game. And uh, I felt that Duke had the top uh, facility and coaches and everything that I wanted to um, kind of keep pursuing my tennis dream after college. Um, and I had kind of previously spoken to Jamie before. Um, I was recruited to come back here as a um, second semester sophomore. Um, I actually was looking into Duke before I committed to Vanderbilt. Um, so I had that contact. Um, and then when I went on the portal, I spoke to him. Um, and I just like knew a few girls in the team, so I had utmost trust in them to like tell me how it is really. Um, and yeah, and I just transitioned here and it's been easy. I haven't had any problems. Um, everyone on my team, I've really gotten so close with everyone. Um, our trainers, they do everything for me, uh, our coaches, our fitness. So I really just enjoyed uh, being able to come here. Georgia, you've got such an international background. I mean, Ireland's one thing, but you've traveled the world to play. You've played in the juniors at all the Grand Slam events, whether it be the Australian, the French, uh, Wimbledon, the U.S. Open. My wife is a humongous tennis fan. She loves Roger Federer and all that stuff. So we've done the U.S. Open thing before, but I'm going to ask you, as a tennis servant, mm -hmm. um, yes. if you're going to go watch any of the Grand Slams, Australian, 
French, <laughs> Wimbledon, U.S. Open. And you had a chance to rank them as far as to go as a fan. Hmm. How would you rank those four? Um, well, for me personally, it would just have to be Roland Garros because I'm a huge Rafa Nadal fan. So I just want to see him win. And I know that's like the highest possibility of, <laughs> of him winning a slam. Um, but no, when I was there, the atmosphere was amazing. And, and like just looking at the grind on the clay um, and like Although the French people are known to be a bit more rude, I felt they're they're very friendly, um, and I love I love the food there, like all the pastries. So I think it's it's the best for me. All right, so French would be one. All right, so we put that over there. So now we go Australian, yeah. we go Wimbledon, we go New York City for the Open. Now go ahead and rank yeah. the rest of them for me. Oh, okay, that's a tough one. Um, I would probably say Wimbledon second just because you don't get that experience of the grass court at all usually at tournaments yeah. and then I would say U.S. and then uh, Melbourne. Okay and the reason I ask you that because eventually when I decide to finally call it quits I'm going to take my wife to all the majors. I've always wanted to go to all of those and I'm not even a tennis guy but the event when I went to the U.S. Open I was just blown away by the energy and of course you see Rafa and you see Federer and Djokovic and all those guys, everybody else. When you see the greats play, you just go, wow, like everything else in sports. When you see the best of the best, you just can't believe the skill level. Yeah, no, it's honestly incredible. I think the tennis is just improving again and again each uh, year. I'm just like looking even now, like Carlos Alcaraz. I'm, oh, it's awesome. Like, he's 18. I'm just like, how are you playing like that at this age? <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? Hey, uh, Georgia, let's kind of pivot from winning the ACC to now going to NCAAs. What's that, what's the challenge there for you guys to keep the momentum, I guess, would be one, right? Yeah, definitely. I think we're just trying to not think uh, too much about having one ACCs um, right now because we're trying to stay focused um, and really just keep working hard um, yeah. with all our training. And just like, you know, at the end of the day, I think we've already developed all our skill sets so we just have to keep our confidence and and it will it will work out at the end of the day like i have just so much confidence in our team all right this is that interesting time of year though right because the semester's wrapping you guys are going to ncaa's so the travel and the exam piece and all that it's a, it can get a little tricky if you're not careful if you don't if you don't know how to handle it like you've obviously done at vanderbilt and and certainly at duke yeah, no, I'm actually currently taking my final exams this week. So I'll be done this Saturday. So once that's over, I'll be celebrating. Um, and then I think it's a bit easier that way because then while I'm at the NCAAs, I don't have to be thinking about my classes. But I do know some schools that finish later, so they have to take their exams on the road. Hey, by the way, when we talked to uh, Jamie the other day, uh, he's like, oh, you're going to love Georgia. You know, she, she's a piece of work. Like, like, like I got this sense that... <laughs> Not me. I don't know if you're like the ultimate prankster, but I get a sense that you're the one that really likes to have fun. Is that would that be accurate? 
Um, well, you wouldn't be wrong. I just like to have a little bit of a laugh on court, and I think he overhears it what I say to our teammates. Um, but I am gonna say this: he has to get a puppy after this. We've been trying to convince him to get a dog, so I said I would have to say it during my interview. Um, I've been talking to his wife about him getting a six-month lab, so now he has to that I'm on here and saying it on air. Brokering so. dogs on this well, show. Well, let me now. tell you something. It seems to be the Duke thing. I mean, Coach K Coach just K got. got a dog? Day, his dog named Coach. Exactly. Right? And, exactly. And, I was like, can they get him one? <laughs> right. A silver lab. You know, those are hard to find, by the way. But, you know, I got a lab sitting on the West right now. Yeah. My, one of my dogs is sitting on there's, yeah, there's Fuller. There's Fuller. Oh, the so double, cute. You know, any great? And that's Chester in the chair, yeah. by the way, Georgia. He is uh, he's, yeah, he's cockapoo four, at thir 14. He's going to be 14 in August. And then there's Fuller, who's laying on Wes's foot. He's, yeah. uh, he's going to be eight uh, this weekend, as a matter of fact. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, you gotta get a dog, man. That'd be a great. That's a great gift. It's a good call. I like that. That works. All it's right. a Duke thing now, man. Yeah. Get well, obviously, and we're, apparently, we broker the dogs yeah. here. Georgia <laughs> says it, it needs to happen. You validate it. Next thing you know, Jamie will have a dog. Whether he really wants one or not would yeah. be the question. Man's best friend. No doubt about that. Yeah. All right. Before we uh, let you go, and again, congratulations on all your success and traveling the world, playing tennis, and great education. You got life right where you want it. Uh, you mentioned finals this week. Uh, since you've been at Duke, hmm. what has been your hardest class? Oh, well, that's kind of an easy one. I'm taking it right now. I'm taking multivariable calculus. Um, oh. Yeah. <laughs> it is not the most fun class. Um, I realized after this class I'm not the best of mathematics, um, so I won't be a mathematician at the end of the day. But, you know, just trying to get through the class. Um, but, yeah, it's hey, definitely my hardest one. Nothing wrong with 40 love. That's all I know. 40 love and serving. <laughs> That's all I know. That's the only math you need to know. Serving for the match, what I'm talking about. Georgia Drummy, congratulations, mm -hmm. and uh, best of luck in the NCAAs. Thank you so much. All right. Good luck getting coached the dog, too. Yeah. That's, uh, she was great. Yeah, fabulous. How about, how about that life, though? Seriously. Grows up in Ireland, great tennis player. <clears throat> already played in the slams, the junior slams. I mean, that, that's impressive, right? Yeah. Pretty cool. But the fact she's taking multivariable calculus may be the biggest win for her. Well, she's going to get a great education <clears throat> at Duke. What is multivariable calculus? Uh, for you and F, that's what that would be. <laughs> There's a lock. <laughs> Promise you. That would be an There's a lock. That would be the drop ad. Uh, here yeah. to drop this class in a, in a millisecond. Yeah. The ACC's Women's Lacrosse Championships begin today in South Bend. When we come back. Top Rachel, three teams in the country in this league. Uh, they are. And when we come back, Rachel DeCecco offers us a uh, preview of the set event in South Bend. Next on Packer and Durham. Packer and Durham. I hope, I really hope, Rachel DeCecco was not watching the show <laughs> earlier today. Like an hour ago when we debuted Packers full orange outrage sweatsuit. I will put that on Twitter. From 1984. I'll put that, I will put that photo on Twitter for those that missed it. All right. Classic. Let's go to Rachel DeCecco this morning. Rachel, good morning. How are you? Oh, the PLL on ESPN this spring, by the way, in summer. There it is. Get it all over your pack. Let's go. Is that coming all orange? I'm just curious. No, it doesn't need to come in all orange. It comes with the yellow block letters. So, good morning. How are you? Good to see you. I'm 
doing great. How are you guys doing? We're pretty good. Uh, I tell you what, this is going to be some kind of scene in South Bend starting today. But this league, Rach, I don't need to tell you, you're the expert here. But when you've got teams nationally ranked one, two, and three, uh, grab your popcorn. This is going to be some kind of race, isn't it? It's going to be unbelievable. It's going to be an incredible week in South Bend. Yeah, we have the matchups, rematches, potential upsets. I mean, we are in for an incredible few days of lacrosse. Um, it, look, if we get BC Carolina again, is that is that okay? Or do you think we get something else here? I mean, Pack and I got in women's basketball. We kept thinking we we're going to get NC State and Louisville again, and it didn't happen. So I'm almost now conditioning myself to say as much as I expect it to be BC Carolina – I'm not sure we're going to see that just because of the way the regular season is finished, Rachel. I think there's a good probability we will see it, but in the tournament, anything can happen. BC has yet to win an ACC tournament as good as they are. Um, so they're going to have to get through Syracuse to get to UNC likely, which is going to be a battle. Um, so, so I think we, we may see it, but they, they've got to get through Syracuse and then UNC you know, Duke's got Notre Dame, which I think could be a really interesting game. If Duke gets past Notre Dame, they are going to be looking for revenge after UNC completely dominated them about two weeks ago. Rachel, is North Carolina, again, here we go again. They're, they've been so complete. They never lose regular season games. They don't lose many, period, regardless of the venue and the situation. But is there a separation of North Carolina and everybody else? Or is this thing, hey, roll the dice, anything can happen here? This season, there definitely feels like a clear separation. You know, last season felt the same though, and they didn't come out on top. They, but they've been they've been dominating. They, you know, obviously BC and, and Syracuse was the have come the closest, um, but but they are the clear favorite. You know, I don't know that I'd want to be undefeated though going into NCAA's. That's what happened last year, and I think they're probably thinking about that a bit. And all of the pressure really is on UNC right now. Mm, yeah, and Jenny Levy's got a group that. I mean, what they did the uh, last week when they played Duke, Rachel, I mean, 16-0 run, you don't see that. You don't see that in lacrosse. Even if Duke had made every single shot they took, they still would not have won that game. You don't see that. Just complete dominance. I mean, their talent across the board is, is truly incredible. Their depth, um, just the production obviously starts with Jamie Ortega, but then you've got Mastriani, you've got Rose Grounding, you've got Worsberger, and it just goes on and on and on. So I think when teams think about how do you beat UNC – you look at that depth chart and it's got to be pretty intimidating. All right. I want to ask you about one thing. And this is just, it's fundamental lacrosse to people that follow the sport. But Mark and I sometimes think, you know, we can get one or two new people to watch it. They'll, they'll watch it again, right? And I want to ask you about something I saw in the Duke Carolina game. As a player and a coach, this concept. Jenny Levy's team picks up a ground ball at, in front of their own goal. And the ball advances for a shot at the other end of the field, and it never touches the ground, Rachel. Are they that good at passing the ball? I mean, in women's lacrosse, in lacrosse period, the fact that they can pass the ball the length of the field in like five throws, was it just blew my mind in terms of how good they were in transition, that particular part of the game. They absolutely are that good uh, in transition. I mean, they work so well together and they're in just in sync. And obviously their skill level is top top of the line. So, yeah, they can absolutely get it end to end without it touching the ground. It, it's almost uh, musical when they do it. It's just absolutely beautiful. Hmm. Rachel, this is going to sound like a, just a goofy question. Uh, is it harder to win the ACC championship than the NCAA championship? Oh, boy. 
That's a it's a fair it's a fair question. You look at the rankings and you look at that conference and any given day anybody could could win a game. I, in some ways it is absolutely particularly because they've seen all these teams before so you're have you have those rematches um and just that conference intensity but you know winning a national championship um I I think it's still more difficult but certainly the ACC tournament is right up there. Hmm. So is Carolina's obviously the favorite and we've talked about Syracuse and we've talked about BC. Is there anybody else that intrigues you here in the like when we get to the quarters and move toward the semis? I, I think that Notre Dame Duke, that game for me is the most intriguing one because um, it was a very close game, just a three goal game. Notre Dame has had a tough season. Duke hasn't played anyone in the top 25 outside of ACC's. Um, and Notre Dame has had some tough losses, but that game was very close statistically and also um, just in their play. So I'm really interested to see. To me, that's going to be the closest, most interesting um, quarterfinal matchup that we have. Rich, we've had a number of coaches and players on here recently as we get to the crunch time. Uh, and everybody's talked about the new format this year. Mm-hmm. And uh, to be honest with you, on the surface, it sounds like it's kind of mixed reviews. Uh, do you like the fact that, hey, we're going to play through Sunday, the top two teams that are left, then we're going to say highest seed gets to host the following week. Do you like that or do you like having the whole weekend that guess what? You got to grind and somebody by the end of the weekend wins it. Do you, do you like the current format or not? I do like the current format. I think it's probably a little bit challenging for the teams to kind of stretch it out. But when you think about going quarter semis championship, you, championship, championship Sunday, you should be fresh. You should be ready to go. When you've gone through that gauntlet of ACC competition in four days, you're probably not at your, your best performance. So I think this will actually give the teams a chance to rest, regroup, and fully prepare for championship game versus just kind of going through, um, you know, every couple of days playing. Yeah, I, I think that's a really interesting point. The, the value of the break is going to help both teams, but it also gives the ACC, and I guess in some ways from a calendar standpoint, a chance to watch other leagues unfold and kind of sort out maybe where you are too nationally, right? Absolutely. The only difference is now their championship is going to be day before selection show. So that, that will shift a little bit potentially who's in that finals. And those teams that lost in the quarters and, and semis are going to have a whole week to think about um, where they might land because ACC is going to have um, potentially five teams pending how Notre Dame and Virginia perform in the ACCs. All right. Good point there. All right. I'm going to put, I'm going to put you in a tough spot because you're the expert here. <laughs> if we were going to do, if we were going to do Rachel, a fantasy draft of all the players in ACC women's lacrosse, and you've got the first pick, where would you go? Hmm. I don't think this is going to surprise anybody. I'd go Charlotte North. You would go Charlotte North. All right, because Jimmy, Jimmy Ortega sh- is crazy good. I mean, there's so many great players in this league. Uh, absolutely. I, Jamie Ortega is crazy good. She's so incredibly efficient, productive. Um, she, she shifts her, her abilities based on what her team needs. Like she, She's absolutely incredible. Charlotte North, to me, there's an electricity to her and, and a, dy- a dynamic way that she plays. That energy for me is what I would want first and foremost. And she's just absolutely incredible on the field. Charlotte's transcendent, and I, so she'd be my first pick. Okay. I, Rachel, I, transcendent. Um, Paul Carcaterra said Charlotte North's the best lacrosse player in the country, male or female. Agree? 100% agree. Wow. That's 100% agree. 
That's true. It is strong, but I I agree with Kark. It, there's something when you watch her play. When there's an athlete that when they play, the whole energy, not only on the field but off the field, shifts. The whole the whole crowd is sort of just waiting for, to see what she can do. When somebody has that that sort of energy, charisma, and the skill and talent to back it up, it is in, it is incredible to watch. And yeah. it will absolutely it's absolutely shifting the way women and men play the game, and also the way little girls think about their future in the game. Yeah, that's the one that that's the one thing, and and you've done this at a lot of levels here. Is is she the best you've ever seen? That's a that's a hard question for me. To me, and uh, you know, I've been around a bit. Jen Adams is still the best I've ever seen. Okay. Uh, she was the first and first player to really shift the way we 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 played with our sticks, the way that we shot. Um, she was completely dominant at Maryland, and that was before you know the stick technology has has really improved so much. So she was playing with a sort of a lesser uh, lesser stick. Uh, the rules were sort of less focused. Now the rules are more, I, th- I would say, attack friendly. She was sort of doing this before, um, and she for me is still the best to ever play the game. Charlotte yeah. is right up there, but Jen Adams to me out of Maryland is still the best. Yeah, when you're on that short list, uh, you're somebody. You're good. Right, you're yeah, good. That's, that's the right. way that works. It's going to be some kind of tournament. Again, the nation's number one, number two, number three teams, uh, as you mentioned, could have some upsets. But, man, if you love women's lacrosse, it doesn't get much better than ACC. It really doesn't. And, hey, PLL coming to ESPN in the app this spring PLL. and summer. Come on. You excited? Absolutely. can't. I'm, I'm very excited. I'll be a uh... – Trugging along every game weekend. We got our draft coming up May 10th on ESPNU, so I cannot wait to see the next crop of PLL talent join the league this year. Hey, I'm just glad the twins didn't bust through the interview at some could point. Could we get that? Could we get that to happen? It'd be awesome. The twi- no, you guys timed this interview perfectly. They got on the bus at 8:25. I joined the call at 8:30, so we have it's nice and quiet here in my house for the next six, seven hours at least. Well, enjoy the quiet because it doesn't stay that way, as you well know. <laughs> We always appreciate the Thanks, Rachel. Safe travels, okay? Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Oh, that was fun. Absolutely. Rachel DeCecco, she'll be with, uh, let's see, she and Stanway Birch, Jay Alter, Dana Boyle, all the coverage coming up from South Bend uh, starts later today. Number one, number two, and number three in the country yeah. in, in this tournament. Pretty good. Yeah. Uh, we told you at the top of the show, Pac had Jay Wright on yesterday. Uh, on the off-campus program, he was awesome. He was. I got able. I was able to hear some of it on my drive. I thought he was terrific. Really great. And when we come back, his thoughts about Mike Shishovsky, Roy Williams, and kind of how his decision fits in that fold, right? Yep. We'll talk about all that and more. We continue. Uh, two-time national champion and one of the really, really first-class guys in this industry has uh, has stepped away from the college game. We will uh, hear from Jay Wright with Pack yesterday on SiriusXM next. Here's Mark Packer and Wes Durham. Look, we're going to get to Jay Wright, and it's really important, but John Morant's dunk last night in the playoffs on Malik Beasley, and it's an ACC tie because he played at Florida State, was awesome. It was. It's not Michael Jordan going baseline against the Knicks in a playoff game and shoving it on 6'11", 6'10", Charles Smith. In a playoff game. It was pretty impressive. Yeah. Dude can fly. Ja? Oh, my goodness. From Dalzell, South Carolina? Wow. 
and he's had a few. This one last night was one of the all-time. Yeah, but Drew Brooks is telling me it's not Michael Jordan on Charles Smith in the playoffs. And then he threw. He, you knew he'd go Homer Sons on him. Uh, I just going to say, just go easy. Brooks is feeling good today. It was a nice night in the Valley. Yeah, Jose Sun. Alvarado got Chris Paul to commit another technical foul. Suns won, and the D-backs beat the Dodgers. So it was a, <laughs> okay, it, so it was there's a good where night. you sign up. No, I'm just saying it was a good night for Brooks. As long as the Giants win and the Dodgers lose. That's the well, goal. I mean, there's, one the team in, there's one team in it's first. Been a big and, day for you. And then everybody in the West is behind us. It's That's a big day for you. All right, yesterday, Jay Wright, who I've got nothing but respect for. Unbelievable success, right? Great coach and an even better person. Yeah. Um, he joined me on the radio, and uh, we talked about life. Really, We really talked about a whole lot about basketball. We talked about life. He, yeah. sh- he shocked everybody a week ago. When he announced that he was going to step down and mm-hmm. go into the sunset, maybe he comes back later. He has no idea. He's, you know, he's going to chill out and enjoy life. But we got into the process of when he sensed that, hey, you know what? I've lost my edge. I think it's the way he termed it. But I asked him about the combination of what Roy Williams did 13 months ago, what Coach K just went through, and what kind of influence that had on his decision. Here's what he said. Definitely. Um, because, you know, Roy did it right after the season, and then, and then Mike did it right before the season, and we and we had, we had missed that opportunity, which I thought you know was really smart because they got everything in place. Like they they got their whole lives ahead of them, like their whole careers. The, the guys in your program, you kind of feel like they're in a good spot. I did coach them; they, they got their staff around them. They know this is the right place for them. But the recruits was really difficult, so. Um, you know, Patty and I and our kids, we did talk about, you know, how both of them did it. But we were in the middle of the season, so we kind of missed that one opportunity. And um, we, we did we did talk about that a lot. And um, we, we just kind of thought, you know, we got to do it our way. we got to make sure um, we can keep our staff in place. We can get one of our guys here. And we got to make sure we, we tell the players in a way that we can say, okay, we're retiring. Kyle's the head coach. The staff is staying. Everything's going to remain the same you're in a good spot, and then talk to the recruits about the same thing. Jay, are you worried about college basketball moving forward? You know what, Mark? I'm really not. I, I, I think um, I really li- I, I really like the NIL opportunities. I think, you know, we'll tweak it a little bit, but I was incredibly impressed with how our guys handled it this year. And um, guys made good money. Everybody had like a 3.5, 3.8 GPA. Everybody, we had great team chemistry. We went to the, everybody got better. They, they, we went to the Final Four. I don't know if every year is going to be like this, but I just like the mix. The transfer portal is something that I think we've got to, we got to work on. Um, and, 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 and the combination of the transfer portal and NIL, we got to work on that. Um, but I don't think it's going to hurt college basketball. I look at the positives. You see all the guys are going to stay. I think you're going to get guys stay in college basketball. I think guys are going to be given the opportunity to. I think there's a lot of guys in the past that would have liked to stay in college, and I, I don't. I won't name names, but I know specifically guys that have told me that they would have rather stayed in college. But the way the rules were, they had to go because they needed money for their parents. They couldn't afford to stay in college for another year and, and pass up that money. I think you're going to see guys stay in college, and I think you're going to see guys get their degree. I think you're going to see an improvement in the level of play in college. I think you saw that this year. And I think you're going to see the NBA guys now start saying, we don't have to take these young guys. We can take some finished products out of college, 
They're going to be more mature. They're going to be, know how to handle their money. They're going to be more complete players. And I think it's going to be good for the game eventually. We're going to go through a couple, two, three tough years right here. But I think eventually it's going to be good for college basketball and good for pro basketball. Do you uh, – and, again, I know you you don't know what you're going to do next. So again, I didn't even want to talk to you about the NBA. But could you force, can you foresee you and, and Kay and Roy – I mean, could I put all of you guys on a pedestal um, – having some type of involvement down the road in terms of the betterment of, of college basketball for not only just the college game but also the NBA and the world scene and everything else? I mean, you guys have such incredible experience, and you know right from wrong – and how to do it the right way. Do you, do you foresee being a part of that, or are you just going to kind of break away and, hey, if you need me, call me? Uh, I, I, I don't know, Mark. That's a good question. Like I, I always thought Mike would – I think we need someone at the NCA that's a commissioner of college basketball, and um, specifically men's basketball, and I think you need someone that's a commissioner of women's basketball. Um, Mike, Mike would be great. Um, I don't, I don't know if Roy would want to do that. I, I think Roy seems to be enjoying retirement to me when I talk to him. He, he looks better than he's ever looked. His golf game's good. His knees are good. Uh, he, he looks good. Um, but I, I do think all of us would always be available to help in, in any way that we could. And, and personally, I want to. I want to finish with these tra- with, with this transition here, which I think might you know take a couple few more weeks, and then really break away and do nothing, and, and be able to look at what opportunities are ahead with a clear mind, not a coach's mind. You know, a, a coach's a coach's mind is painted. You know, I'm still worried about our recruits here, worried about our staff. Or like once you get away from it, I'd like to have a clear mind and then start to look at okay, what's what's next. But I would like to take a little time off first and then start thinking about that with a clear mind class personified Jerry sure Rice. and uh we're, we're again if he goes into the sunset and hangs out at the beach with the kids man he's earned every second of it that comes his way but uh we're gonna miss him in college athletics i'm oh. telling you he is a big time i'm telling you class personified man he's the best yeah really i mean great. look and look we we've said this before on this show we'll keep talking about it the timing for these guys, the symmetry about the timing is really interesting. Yeah. And we get one more to say goodbye. It's not coincidental. We get one more to say goodbye. People are really going to start zoning in on this if they haven't already. In the ACC, we're zoned in on it because two of the legends just walked out of here. That's right. And we still have more left. Yeah. But I would say this, too. We need – Mike Krzyzewski, Roy Williams, and Jay Wright to be involved in this. And I'm going to tell you, the timing of yesterday in Indianapolis and that announcement, that's not lost on me. That's not lost on me one bit. I don't know how you feel about it. But when these three guys have walked and now we're going to get the change in Indianapolis, that change in Indianapolis yesterday, they can dress that jazz up all they want. Okay? There was something there where somebody said, hey, look, we got an idea. And we think you probably need to start thinking about wrapping it up. Well, there's been so much change in the landscape that how your organization doesn't change with it is a I terrible totally mistake. Agree. Yeah. And that's basically what I think what you got. Yeah. Um, and, but the next layer, the next chapter for the NCAA, 
they better hit a home run on this hire mm-hmm. because you cannot be thinking Neanderthal when all of a sudden the world is going 200 miles an hour in that direction. I agree with right? you. And so yep. it is a – just think about how different the college sports landscape is <laughs> from the pandemic starting in March of 2020. Just think about where we have gone from what it was like prior to the pandemic. In 25 months. To where we are today. Right. It is not even the same universe, mm-hmm. right? You're right. And and you throw a pandemic on top of it. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. Like we said, we've had a front row seat to watch this. A hundred years from now, they will look back at mm-hmm. 2020, 2021, and 2022 and go, you know what? That was a moment in college athletics history where it changed forever. Yep. And that's, that's the truth. Right. That's absolutely the truth. In fact, it's not just Jay Wright and it's not just Dr. Emmert. Look at all the things that have happened just in the last 72 hours. Okay? We'll come back and talk about that because last Friday, Jack Swarbrick talked to Pat Forty of Sports Illustrated. And Jack Swarbrick went places that if you reread what he said, you can see it. Go back. We'll chronicle this because I'm telling you what Jack Swarbrick told Pat Forty is also going to be chronicled in the history of college athletics because he just basically opened the door and started talking about it. We talk about that. We talk about Mark Emmert. All the business of college athletics. Look, we're into late April. We're going to May. And Pac and I have already told you in the last couple of years, when you get to May and June, July's the quiet month. Not May and June. That's when other stuff goes down. And now we're starting to trickle into late April on some of this. So we get to hour three, power hour. Danny Graves is going to join us. We're going to get caught up on ACC baseball. Uh, but Jack Swarbrick on the changing landscapes of college athletics. And, oh, by the way, Mark Emmert shut it down yesterday. Well, not literally shut it down. He's He shut it down years ago. Well, <laughs> we're, we're going to go to kind of the landscape of sports with Jack Swarbrick and the changes he's talking about. I'm tell you. He kind of opened the door for Notre Dame, but he he also showed other schools the roadmap, too. We'll do it next. Packer and Durham, good morning. Tune into Packer and Durham weekday mornings from 7 to 10 Eastern for the best conversations about everything from the ACC. Find it on the ACC Network, Sirius XM Channel 371, and streaming on the ESPN app.